What's up, everybody? Corey Texter, back from a 40-year hiatus from the podcast world. Man, it's been a while. Uh, there's a lot going on with Flat Track since the days of Flat Track Weekly Radio. Not even sure why I called it Weekly Radio, because it's a podcast, not a radio station. But back in the podcast game, there's just a lot of things going on in the Flat Track world that I wanted to have a, a place to kind of discuss. Keep it low-key, keep it fun, keep the show entertaining. What better way than a podcast? And I was actually talking with my co-host, who I want to announce here in a second. You know, he actually came to me about doing his podcast, and I was like, shit, I've been wanting to do a podcast. So came together, and I know you guys have been waiting to find out who the mystery co-host is, and it's none other than former champ Jersey Jake Johnson. Jake, thank you for dealing with me on a weekly basis with this podcast and coming on and be willing to kind of talk about things. Yeah, well, weekly basis. It's only week one, so I got some I got some time to bail out on this if I need to. <laughs> yeah, well, we actually don't even know if this is going to post because this is kind of like a test run pilot episode, but um, there's a lot to talk about right now, and what made you want to get into this podcast thing? I, you'd be the last person, I would think, that would want to come on and start a podcast because from a social media standpoint, you're not too vocal about things. And to kind of make a commitment for an every week deal is uh, is, is huge. It's, it's cool. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was listening to, uh, you know, some motocross podcasts and some different things. And I'm like, man, Flat Track kind of needs something like that. Something uh, a little bit loose. I, I don't know. Just kind of get the get the behind the scenes scoop a little bit. And, and that's another thing, like social media. You, you just see how clueless people are about what's going on and what's happening. So maybe this podcast could be a little bit uh, entertaining for, for, for the people in the know and maybe a little informational for the average fan that kind of doesn't know what's what, what we're thinking or, or what's going on really behind the scenes. So I don't know. I thought it'd be fun. Like you said, I kind of is in the same boat thought there's no way I would ever do this, but we'll, uh, we'll give it a go. See what happens. Here we are. Um, Here we are. You don't want to bash a bunch of people on the show. You just want to keep it low key. Or as the drinks go down during the podcast, we're gonna start bashing people. I mean, what is what is the um, the play call on that? Well, if any bashing happens, I mean, it's gonna be all in good fun. Hopefully, they have a good uh, <laughs> sense of humor about it. But uh, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, I don't want it to be negative, obviously. But uh, you know, it needs to be a little edgy. Get some. Uh, get some things out there that uh, people don't know about and, you know, they may not want to hear it, but they need to hear it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of things. Yeah. There's a lot of things in the sport that people want to know, but people don't necessarily want to talk about or bring up. And hopefully we, we, you know, maybe we're the guys. Yeah. We're getting older. We're trying to uh, come up with a retirement plan. Um, You know, I figured podcasts probably pay, you know, it pays big money, I'm sure. So I figured we'd get into this because, you know, what, we're in our 30s now or I don't know how many more years, if any, we're going to keep racing. So, shit, we might as well start doing something. Um, But, man, there's a lot of stuff we've been working on with this podcast. Our producer, I want to introduce him. You might know him. He's kind of involved. 
quite a bit in flat track, more so every year. The guy, I call him a Swiss Army knife. Any technical, anything computer, phone related, I, I feel like I bug him all the time. And uh, he's the man, Chris Carter. Chris, thanks for putting up with me and Jake and coming on board and um, and doing this for us. We uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, like Jake said, it's still early. So, you know, if you get too annoying, I'll just jump out. But uh, no, dude, that's a hell of an intro, bro. <laughs> yeah, well... We also have a couple of things planned with this podcast we're going to do every week that I think you guys are going to like. As I mentioned, we're, we're a little bit edgier podcast. It's midday right now, and Jake's drinking Miller Lite, so uh, we're keeping it low-key. We got somebody we want to introduce later in the show. Um, he's a good friend of mine, uh, one of the funny guys I've ever had the, I don't want to say pleasure of hanging out with, but he's going to do a prank call segment every week. So we're going to call somebody new in the sport and prank call that person Kind of, you know, mess with them a little bit, see how fired up we can get some of these guys. We're planning to do our first prank call as Jared Meese, so that should be pretty entertaining. So we're planning that later in the week. But episode one, our first guest, Jake, you want to talk a little bit about our first guest? You're uh, pretty close to this guy. Yeah, first guest, we kind of thought we needed a guinea pig, I guess, a little bit to uh, do our first episode, kind of get, get broken in. And, uh, you know, we both kind of, thought of the same guy uh ex-national number 19 we've known each other since heck, since we were kids but became pretty good friends i would say you know probably back in 04 05 we traveled a lot together to the races and you know even to this day we'll go and you know go ride and trail ride and moto and together on the weekends and hang out so yeah so me and paul we've got some some good stories from the past uh got some stuff jotted down here it's pretty funny i think everybody needs to hear but paul he's uh what uh with the the younger kids in the squad they they call him the legend you know just he kind of grew up in the the post camel pro days that's Maybe like the johnny murphy years. era the the jr schnabel era i mean he he grew up in an era where it, it, i mean there were some fast dudes back then and and lynch was a consistent top 10 top 10 rider top five man i mean he, i think he had a couple top five so um, you know, he's got some credentials to his name, so it's it's pretty cool to uh to have have some of these older ish, I don't want to say too old, older ish dudes come on and talk about you know, introduce themselves to some of these younger kids. Yeah, Paul's Paul's like a legend to me even. I mean, growing up local boy, he's from Maryland, watching him race at at the national level when I was still an amateur. Um, the guy had a lot has a lot of swagger. Um, he's just a cool dude and he's an honest guy. He'll tell you how it is. And I'm excited to hear what some of his insight is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's a pretty cool guy, pretty entertaining. And, uh, I think it'll be a good interview before we get to that. You know, I guess we're going to have to have some sort of, uh, news, news segment, uh, part of the show. I guess we'll dive into that real quick. Um, just kind of talk about what's going on right now. I mean, it's off season. I mean, it's, Still a bit of silly season. You know, a lot of new riders, teams, rules are being announced right now, but uh, still a lot of unknowns. So, yeah, let's kind of jump into that. I mean, you're obviously the champ of the production twins class. What do you think about this whole super twins thing? Let's just get it out there. What do do you think about the the 14 set riders, the... Wow, is it fourteen? Yeah, the fourteen riders. That's okay. That's what I'm reading. Um, set and four wild cards per round. Honestly, I've been asked that more than any other question this off season, and I don't have a strong opinion on it because I don't see it being much different than what it was this past year. Besides the fact that the riders have to pay to race, I don't really get that whole aspect of it. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 kind of interesting how it's going to all play out. 
Uh, I'm not sure, man. I, I want to form an opinion, but without knowing all the facts and what's going on, I'm just not certain how it's going to unfold. I mean, I was joking around, actually. I was um, talking to a sponsor yesterday, and uh, I, I saw the list of riders that are confirmed, and I'm like, shoot, man, it looks like a bunch of dudes trail riding with their buddies <laughs> at the premier level. It's like three teams right now, and pretty much all the guys that have been announced, they're kind of like all buddies. You're going to be basically trail riding with your buddies at the at the national level for the uh, Super Twins class. I just think um, limited to the amount of riders they're you know allowing, it's just going to kind of lower the intensity level a little bit from what we're used to having. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on uh, the Super Twins? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's uh, I think that the it's kind of going to be the same guys. Um, I mean, if you look at entries from last year in the big twins class, I mean, it averaged at about what, 20, 22 guys. Um, yeah, so, 20-ish. Uh, you know, so that's not going to change a lot. You know, they're going to 18 this year, but, uh, but you know, the situation I'm in, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of on the outs right now. So, um, still kind of trying to put a deal together, seeing if I can get something to happen, but, it uh it's definitely making it harder that's for sure um you know just the commitment uh you know the the entry and then you know i'm the way i'm thinking it's like man i kind of have to put my own program together and and if i go and break my ankle at daytona you know i'm responsible to keep somebody on my bike you know like i said the contracts and things like that haven't been out or or really discussed but um, that's kind of what kind of what I've seen from the guidelines, you know, that the team owners are, are responsible for having a bike on the track for all 18 rounds. So, you know, for, for a guy like me, that's going to have to low budget it a little bit this year. And, and, uh, you know, if something were to happen it's like, man, well, all right, I'm hurt. I'm not racing, but I still have to spend money to put somebody else on my bike. That's Paul Lynch, dude. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll bring Paul out of retirement. I'll have to ask him. I wouldn't have to pay him very much. It's a weird deal. It's uh, it's almost too stressful for me to even get into. That's why I haven't really formed an opinion because I don't think I've even read all the guidelines. And I mean, personally, I know there's a really good chance that I'm not racing Super Twins next year, and I'm just gonna keep doing the production thing. Um, so I haven't dipped into it too much because it's, it's just it's kind of chaos a little bit. But I don't know. I don't think it'll be bad. I think people are getting, they get way too stressed out over things. You know, our fans are very passionate people. They've been around the sport, most of them since the 80s, you know, even, you know, before then. So they're, they've are they been around the sport for a long time. They feel entitled as fans a little bit. Um, and I'm guilty of the same thing a little bit. You know, I grew up in it the camel pro days and things and the resistant to change a little bit, but I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I, uh, I did see, however, that Essenson racing announced their team and Jersey Jake was not included. Uh, dude, what's up, man? Are you a uh, free agent? Oh, wait, what? I don't have a ride. What? what? That's what I what happened? <laughs> well, you're not on social no, media much. So I figured you didn't even know about it. Yeah, so. no, no. Obviously I didn't know what, what their plans were, but I kind of knew that, uh, I wasn't going to be a part of it kind of right before the season was over. It was kind of a mutual thing, I guess. You know, they weren't sure exactly what direction they were going and what, what was happening. And really, you know, I wasn't sure, you know, if I wanted to develop a bike again. You know, I got a lot more a lot more race days behind me than I do in front of me. So, uh, you know, it's, it's time to, you know, shit or get off the pot, really, for me. You know, I, I don't know how many years I got left. And, you know, obviously right now, 
Indian is the the dominant bike in uh, Super Twins class. So, you know, I want to do everything I can to to give myself the best chance. You know, I mean, obviously Yamaha coming in and and Harley, it, it's it's uh, great for the sport, great for for other brands getting involved. We need that, but uh, you know, I feel like I need to be selfish right now. And if you can't beat them, join them and and see what happens. So. We'll see. Yeah. So as of right now, you don't have a ride in place. Um, would you consider riding the singles class production twins? Um, are you strictly just the super, super duper twins rider for next year? <laughs> I, I feel, uh, yeah, I feel like that's, that's my only option. Um, what would it take to put Jake Johnson on a, on the, on a single and run, run the AFP single class? Oh God. A lot more of the light right? probably. <laughs> it can't be that bad. Yeah, no, I don't know. It's actually, I don't know. It's actually pretty bad. No, it sucks. I'm yeah, sure. it's it's not fun. It's scary. Yeah. Anyway, I was I was just curious on on the whole Aston deal. I, I uh, saw that my uh, my rival in the production twins class, if you want to say it, Colby, is moving up to the super twins. So pretty interesting to see see him and JD together in super twins, and Mikey Rush leaving RMR, Richie Morris Racing. And joining S and Sim, that was something that I kind of heard a little bit. You know, you hear rumors as a rider, and people talk a little. But to see that on paper, so to speak, was kind of crazy to me. Uh, I think they're bringing over a couple of Mikey's crew from the RMR deal. So I guess RMR is rebuilding a little bit for 2020. But uh, yeah, what do you? Uh, how do you think Colby will do in Super Twins on a consistent basis? And what what are your thoughts on Mikey joining it? Uh, yeah, I mean, Colby, I mean, he had, I mean, he, you know, obviously rode the production twins last year and, and had some, uh, I guess you would call them wild card runs in the, in the premier class last year. And, uh, you know, he had some good, good runs going. Um, you know, I mean, was running pretty decent at Daytona and had a mechanical and, uh, Arizona super TT had that first corner crash. I think he hurt his knee and, you know, that kind of I guess made him look at the big picture a little more, you know, he was uh, obviously wanting to race every weekend and, and get some experience and time, but obviously had his eye set on, uh, on the points leader, Corey Kexter at the time. And, uh, you know, didn't want to, didn't, you know, I don't, I don't think he rode too many, uh, uh Peoria, you know, short flight ship. Did he ride Peoria? Okay. Yeah. I think so he I rode both he the kind of, once he kind of healed up a little bit and, and things were going a little better for him, he, uh, he jumped back in there, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, first year in the big class. I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for anybody, no matter what. Um, you know, and it's they're... tough. But at the same time, it's just not like when I turned expert. I don't want you know. Back in my day, we walked to school. But I mean, like when when I turned expert, there was sixty dudes I had to beat to make the final. I mean, to get in there, it was to have a guaranteed spot in the main event. You know, it's it's not really. You know, once you get into the main event, anything can happen, especially on like a mile. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have top 10 Springfield mile because nine guys have broken the main event. So <laughs> having a guaranteed spot in a main event, you could almost, you know, non-DNF your way to a top five finish sometimes. So, you know, he's a good rider. I um, I, I do have, you know, I, I, we don't really see eye to eye most of the time, but as far as a rider goes, I think he's really developing into a good rider. He's aggressive. I got a lot of respect for him. Obviously, they have good equipment. He has a good team behind him. 
Um, he gets a little bit cocky with certain aspects of his uh, riding and things like that. I, I don't agree with, but as a rider goes, I have some respect for him. And uh, I think he'll do well, especially on the TT tracks. And, uh, and I honestly wish him the best. You know, I liked, I liked racing him um, because – I didn't want him to beat me, so he, he kind of brought out—I wouldn't say the best in me—but he brought out a you know a side of, side of me that made me a little bit more aggressive. And uh, I wish him well. And I think Mikey will do well. Also, I think I think they have a strong team. Um, I uh, you know I think they I think they I think they should have re-signed Jersey Jake, but um, I don't know, man. I, Royal Royal Enfield there came came out of the bike, so I figured you wanted to leave your options open for for that deal, possibly. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of open for anything at the moment, really. Uh, but no, yeah, I, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it didn't get too much on Mikey, but uh, yeah, I mean, Mikey, me and him are good friends. We we go back a long time. You know, we were kind of unofficial teammates on the on the Suzuki team, and uh, you know, he won Daytona Short Track, uh, you know, at the old Municipal Stadium back in '06 or '07 or something like that. You know. And I call him a kid, but I think he's only like two or three years younger than me. But, uh, you know, Mikey's just got that little baby face, uh, you know, just seems like a kid. But he's been around a long time and, you know, one of the most overall talented riders in our sport, I would say. I mean, obviously, he's had his struggles here and there, you know, just trying to find good rides and things like that. And, you know, there's a lot that that goes along with that. But, uh, you know, just as an overall motorcycle rider, I mean... He's fast on a motorbike, badass in the trails, you know, uh, you know, pretty good on a flat track, but, uh, but no, it'll, it'll be cool to see what, uh, what Mikey can do. He, uh, he had some good runs last year, um, a little up and down, I think, uh, you know, he'd probably kind of agree with that, but, uh, but kind of the first year in that class and kind of feeling it out. So, you know, if he can mesh well with that Yamaha and and things start gelling, he could be uh, he could be a pretty big threat, I think. No, I agree. Yeah, they. I mean, they've proven they've proven those bikes are fast at 450s. I know they had some mechanical issues at different times throughout the year, but uh, they have a good team, good people working on the bikes, and uh, I think they'll do well. In all honesty, but there's a couple other things I want to touch upon before we call in Paul. Um, there's timed races for this year, so that's. That's something new. I, I I don't I try to stay off social media, but I can only imagine all the fans are hating timed races. But there's timed races this year. It's kind of confusing, honestly, because for different tracks, there's different times for how long the races are. Each class is different time. I personally would have liked to see ten minutes plus two everywhere, or fifteen minutes plus two. You know, across the board, it's just easier for fans to kind of. You know, every racetrack, each class, they're going to be confused on how many laps there are, how much time we're racing. That's the only thing that kind of got me on the whole time the races thing, the inconsistency. But as far as a rider goes, I like it because, you know, I know what to train for, how long to train for. I can, you know, consistently get ready for 15-minute races or 20-minute races. I don't even know which one is which for time. Like, every race is different. But... What are your thoughts on the whole time the races thing? You gonna wear a watch so you can keep track of how much time is left in the in the race? <laughs> well, I'll just gauge by how far my tongue is in the spokes. Um, no, <laughs> no, I was kind of I was a little bit not worried, but that kind of spun me out a little bit when they when they first uh, talked about that, and then they released it. I'm like, man, that's gonna be that's gonna be crazy. But 
you know, I was thinking places like uh, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna affect um, maybe. I don't think it's going to have as much effect as, as what everybody thinks. I, I did some math on some of the races because um, I was thinking like Laconia short track. Um, I think last year we only did 25 laps. We were supposed to do 30. Uh, they cut the race a little short because conditions, I guess. But um, so I did the you math on 32 that. laps or something, 33 laps. Uh, yeah, I think it was going to come out right, actually right about at 30. Um, you know, 30, 31, depending, you know, cause the leader could cross the finish with one second to go and yep. you'll still have three, three laps, laps to go. Yep. So, um, you know, and then I think I did the math on like Buffalo chip, you know, so I did a short track, I did a TT, um, and actually like after last year's lap times and the, and the total race time, uh, Buffalo chip would actually be, I believe one less lap, which would have helped me out this year. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, so I did some math on a few of them. I think the miles are all about the same. Um, you know, I know Springfield miles always around 14 or 15 minutes, you know, total time. So we're not talking crazy. We're numbers, talking super you know. twins for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like the production like twins last year, we did 15 laps and I did some math. And every race is going to be a little bit longer. I think the miles will be okay. like 17, 18 laps. And then the half miles actually for us will be like 20 to 22 laps. So um, I like it because 15 lap races for me, it's kind of a joke, I think. I mean, man, it's like a six minute race. You have no time to even anything to work with if you get a bad start or anything. So I'm, I'm kind of stoked for it a little bit. I, I wish they were longer, but the, yeah, the time races thing. Yeah, it was, uh, like you said, it kind of threw me off a bit, but that should be interesting. We'll kind of keep track of that over the off season and talk about it some more. And then uh, one last rule. I mean, there's so many rules, I'm sure. I honestly haven't even read it. I just go off of, like, all the group texts with all my buddies and uh, <laughs> kind of go off what they're talking about. But, yeah, they're, you know, the whole tire thing. We got new tires from Dunlop. Apparently, they're badass. Shana tested some at Minnesota last year, and, she was quite a bit faster the next day with the um, the newer tires than the old ones. So we got new tires, and then in 2021, we're going tubeless, and they kind of recommend that we go tubeless this next year. So I don't know, tubeless tires, that's uh, kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's not unheard of. I remember back in my rookie season, first couple of seasons, uh, we would actually run the – uh, the old Dunlop or, well, I guess then it was a good year. Um, we would run those actually tubeless on some of the miles and things just for, for weight. Um, obviously there is a, a difference on the amount of heat it builds up, you know, the, the tube rubbing against the tire, um, you know, builds a little heat and can, you know, bump your tire pressure up as the, as the race goes on. So, uh, so, I mean, it's not, it's not, unheard of not crazy i mean you can you know you can find something wrong with everything i guess um you know the only the only thing that i was concerned about was tts which i believe they uh from what they're saying we're still going to be able to run tubes on tts with spoke wheels um which i agree with because you know jumping a twin on a tt like i've bent some mag wheels so that can get expensive um at least a spoke wheel you bend a rim you can you can uh, just buy a hoop and relace it back up. But 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it could be a little more costly for uh, the singles guys. You know, everybody with a twin has mag wheels basically, so uh, it's not that not that big of a deal. But for four fifties, you can't do the old uh, keep your stock hubs and buy some spokes and rims and go racing. You know, you're gonna have to right. spend a couple couple grand in mag wheels to to accept. Uh, you know, yeah, you save money on You know? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah if, you're not a, if you're not a good if you're not a good tire changer and you're pinching tubes all the time, <laughs> I guess you'd be happy about it. But uh, but yeah, yeah you, I mean, you can't see me raising my hand over here. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of them things. It's like you could you could find something wrong with it or right with it or whatever, but, uh, it is what yeah. it is. And I guess in the big picture, it's, uh, it could be better, you know, I mean, some tracks we could, you know, get away with running some lower pressures and, you know, if the tire spins on the rim, you know, you're not going to get a flat. You'll be all right. But, uh, nah, we'll see what happens. We got a long off season. We'll touch upon some more rules as they get released. Um, but I think we should bring Paul on. He, uh, I'm excited to talk to him. I actually haven't even talked to Paul probably in a couple months since I've last seen him. So, Chris Carter, can you make that happen for us? You know, I can. Stand by. Carbon Black, this Paul. Paul, uh, yeah. Great texter. What's up, gentlemen? I figured it was y'all. Oh, What's going on? Much, dudes. How are you? Very well. Are we live? Oh, yeah. Love it. So we got uh, we got Paul Lynch on the line. Kind of gave you a little preview of, of Paul earlier in the show. A little bit older. He's kind of been out of the sport for a little bit now. But uh, what was it? 07 was your last. 07 was my last full season, correct? And then I I tried to do a uh, small schedule in 08 and rode Hagerstown and got my butt kicked and my feelings hurt. So yeah, we're called 07. <laughs> so uh i guess we'll kind of kind of backtrack a little bit like rookie year probably what 98 97 oh that's that's kind of a loaded question so i am i'll depend on what uh which birth certificate yeah, right. you use <laughs> <laughs> no no we, we got through that we did that in canada so whenever we uh turned from the states of 16 we're all legal beagle but but yeah so so the loaded part of that question being that and again, I'll toot my own horn a little bit. I am still the youngest rider ever to make a Grand National Main event in August of 1995. So I had a provisional card oh, wow. as soon as I turned 16, and I'd been pro in Canada for a couple of years. So I was able to, with the work of my father and Eddie Atkins, get a provisional card to run the GNC class, skipping, you know, back then it was, it wasn't Pro-Am Junior, but it was basic expert i think was the middle ground so i was able to skip that go right from pro-am to full gnc made a main event 95 on a provisional card so my official rookie year was 96 so they didn't give me a national number in 95 because i was on a provisional card so made my first national 95 my rookie year was 96 got my national number 97 so ama flat track scene is what they called it at that time it wasn't american flat track it was you know still ama pro racing ama flat track correct what do you what do you compare you know you're a fan of the series now correct like i'm sure you watch most of the races how would you compare it right now from what everybody is doing i i believe that it's starting to make a turn back to the 
and I don't want to say glory days. I believe the glory days were the late seventies, early eighties. So when, when we were doing it, when we started doing it in 95, it was, I, I guess the tail end of that. And, and uh, there were still a lot of good people and the field was very deep. I, I think that the talent pool is a little more shallow right now, just, you know, and, and you can blame it on, on a number of things, be it the, you know, market in 08 that, ran a lot of the motorcycle industry into the ground or at least cut it in half. But, uh, it was, it, it was fun then, you know, there was a lot of people and a lot of fast guys and, and everybody was working hard. And, and, and I think that they probably work harder today and, and C-Tex, you probably know this better than I, but you know, it, it, it was a little bit more forgiving back then. And, and you just had to, to come to the races and, and go fast. You know, it wasn't a lot of bicycle riding during the week and a lot of the stuff that everybody's doing today. So, so yeah, it, it, it was a little different and I'm, I'm a fan and I always will be. And what the sport became and the people around, you know, fast guys are fast guys. I think they're always going to be there. So I'll refer back to my day, you know, the Parkers and Springers and cars, like all these guys that have been doing it since the late seventies, early eighties. And, and uh, we're in the main events every week when I turned pro in 95, 96. So, yeah, it was, it's a little different. You know, I think that's the biggest thing that sticks out in my mind is a little more talent back then, a little bit deeper field. You know, it, it was, it was a chore to make a main event. Not that it isn't now, but it was, it, it was stacked. You know, we, we had a lot of fast guys. You grew up around it. You know, it, it was, yep. It was it was, oh, a, was a, fan. A, yep. a fun time for sure. Going back a little further, like now that you mentioned that, like your amateur days, I mean, you grew up in a tough time, you know, having to race with uh, <laughs> the Hayden, Schnabel, Bigelow, Cool Best, you know, Johnny Murphy, Jake Zemke, like on and on and Jake on. Johnson, uh, yeah. <laughs> little snot-nosed kid, Jake Johnson, that kept beating up on me on an 80 when I was riding a 125. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so well, speaking uh Speaking of that '85, I got a pretty funny story about that. So Paul, when he was uh, when he was younger, like actually I think got a couple of your hand-me-down bikes because you're yep. what you're 40 now. I'm 35, yep. so we never raced much as kids. Obviously, you know, closer to the pro days, we kind of started racing each other. But I remember. Um, Got off a of 60 and uh, time to get an 80. Uh, you, you and your dad had one for sale. And I remember, like, we thought it was the greatest deal. I mean, it was a great bike. You know, I think we paid a thousand bucks for it and got like a whole van full of parts. Right. It came from Sponsor, you know, so it came from a pro team. Oh, yep. And we got it. It came with all those boxes of parts that you got too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm my, my first it. race, my first race on it was at uh, Trailway Speedway. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I was. I believe seven years old, just, just old enough to get on 80 and, uh, <laughs> went out there and, uh, yeah, that thing, there's a video somewhere on YouTube. You type, uh, type Jake Johnson tank slapper or something. You can find it, but, uh, that thing oh, about gold. killed me. And, uh, you know, we laughed about it. I, you know, we had it on old, uh, you know, an old film camera and it, you know, still have it somewhere to this day. But, uh, but the funny part of the story is, you know, I, I finally became big enough and strong enough for that not to happen anymore. But, you know, as the year, years went on, you know, me and Paul start traveling together, going racing. And that story comes up or that video comes up and, and I'm just showing it to him. He's like, yeah, man, that thing used to do it to me all the time. You know, so, yeah, there was something wrong with that thing. I'm like, oh, 
thanks, Dick. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. I I think that was, you know, Honda's in the late eighties. I'm I'm pretty sure the eighties, one twenty fives, two fifty, you know, that was obviously two stroke days and, and I'm pretty sure for whatever reason I mean, it, it, they were some of the greatest Hondas ever, but for whatever reason, those late 80s, early 90s Hondas used to tank slap to no end. And, and, oh, yeah. And Jake, you just had to get, you just had to get man muscles to be able to, <laughs> to, uh, yeah. find through and figure it out. But, but yeah, man, that, and I encourage everybody to go look up that YouTube video because it is violent. I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah. They did it to me one time in Georgetown, Delaware, and I wasn't, as talented as Jake, so it put me up against the concrete wall in a right-hand turn. And I don't know what are you doing a straightaway on a half mile on an eighty? You know, you're fifty, sixty mile an hour, something like that. I'm assuming. Um, and that thing just locked me up against the concrete wall, and I was—I don't want to say good enough, but probably lucky enough to get my right leg picked up out of the way, so it didn't grind my body down the concrete wall. So, so yeah, that that thing was. Uh, a bit of a handful. Nothing snatches away your testicles more than a tank slab. I mean, you can tank slap in practice, and it literally ruins your day. It's like, oh man. Oh, for, yeah, for the rest of the day, absolutely. You, the white you flag, like I'm done. Stomach. Yep, yep. <laughs> so true. Yeah, yeah. So now that video is gold, man. I um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. I, you know, you're racing a pretty epic era. You know, everybody wants to talk about the Camel Pro days. Everybody wants to talk about the '80s. You know, but the the late '90s and early 2000s, there were some really good guys. I mean, that was you know, Chris Carr was dominant in those days, and you had guys like Johnny Murphy and J.R. Schnabel and. Uh, you know, Kuby was still racing in Springer. It was kind of like a transitional era from like the old days to the new days. So, you yeah. know, you had the cool best, the Jake Johnson. It was stacked. As far as the guys you raced with, who did you dislike racing the most? I mean, like, <laughs> who was like one of those guys that you got near during those those days? Where like, ah, shit, I got to get away from this guy, you know? And who was your favorite person to race with along those days? So the the first question, there it can go two ways. One person that you hated racing with, and then people you were scared to be around. So so the number one that comes to my mind is Brian Bigelow. Him and I butted heads. We didn't get along. It was it was a knockdown drag out every time we got on the track. I remember there were races where he would put rubber on me from his rear tire. That you know we would you know it was a crasher wind deal. It was okay. Here we are. We're last lap, and you know we just covered each other's number plates in rubber. So you know who who's going to hold this motorcycle up into this last corner and then get across the finish line first. So, so he was always the one that just, you know, irked me and, and made me mad. I think the ones that you were scared to be around were like a Jess Rotor, you know, someone that you just didn't pass on the outside because you never knew what direction he was going to go. You know, so, so there's, that's, that's a two-part question. You know, the, the people that you just were going out there to beat no matter what, you know, whether, whether you brought that thing home in the back of a pickup truck or you crossed the finish line first and then the ones you were scared to be around. So it's an Ohio thing. Maybe. I mean, the, the guys that ride cushions, like I remember racing like my rookie year and I had to race George Roeder at like Dayton and I got behind him. And uh, I mean, I was never going to keep up with him, but dude, it was just the most terrifying thing. I was like, dude, I'll never be able to do what that guy just did. 
I should just quit. Like, it's never going to happen. <laughs> I was going to okay. say, I got to jump in with a pretty good George Roeder uh, story real quick because we're on the topic. Was he on the wall at Dayton? Well, that was one of them. Him and Chris Evans were actually in the barn off of the back straightaway, but oh, wow. we'll, we'll, save yeah. that for, we'll save that for another time. But, uh, yeah, I think it was at uh, at Lima. Uh, it wasn't my rookie year. It was first couple years riding for Moroni's, and I battled with rotors the whole main event, the whole race. I don't know. I don't even know what it's for. It was probably fifth, sixth, you know, somewhere on the on the backside of the top ten. And we were just trying to uh, – what I thought, we were just trying to absolutely kill each other. You know, he would come in and stomp, take my front wheel out. I'd get mad, go in the next corner, do the same thing. And we would just run each other into the fence, the wall, whatever was there. And uh, race was over. And, you know, I'm only I'm only 18, 19 years old or whatever it was at the time. And, and I'm like, man, this I was pissed. I was mad after the race, right? So get back to the pits, get my helmet off. And I think we had to drop our bikes off at Tech or something. And I'm walking back to my pit. And I'm walking by his pit. And I'm like you know, don't want to make eye contact. It's all mad. And he looks over at me and says, Hey Jay, good race, man. <laughs> good race. Good and I'm like, race. yeah. And I'm like, Oh, you know, and all of a sudden, like I just switched. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Good job, man. I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, that's normal. That's how I we guess, do it here in Ohio. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. I guess he, I guess he didn't know. Yeah. I was just trying to kill him and he was just racing. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah. but no. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Corey, you hit the nail on the head. This is a little different deal out there. <laughs> Well, and then you look at George Roeder, and he's got big, poofy hair. He's got, like, bifocal Ben Franklin glasses. You would never think the dude is the baddest guy, like, one of the baddest dudes ever ride a cushion, like, straight animal. I remember him taking his helmet off when I was younger, and I was like, that guy was the one riding that bike? Like, just straight animal. Um, yeah, exactly. I remember Jake telling me once that he was racing Roeder, and he crashed in front of Jake. Jake's like, all right, cool, he's gone. I'm not going to see him again. And then... 10 laps later, he comes flying by Jake. It's like, dude, he just pulled me out like a couple of laps ago. <laughs> yeah. So I'm surprised. Yeah that, yeah, that guy was unreal. Unreal. Yeah, there, there, was, there was a time when he won Delmar on a broken shot. Tire, when tire men were running, the, you know, the, the inner fender, the rear, and yeah, no big deal. Just going to go ahead and hold this thing wide open for a few more laps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was crazy. That was a common thing back in the day for some reason. I remember... Uh, you know, when everybody was on XRs, you know, at Springfield or something, like it was a common thing, you know, to break a shock. It's weird that that that, that doesn't happen anymore. You know, it happens, but it doesn't happen that often. Right. I remember that being a thing. And, and Jake, you being the suspension guy, probably know more than I, but whether it was how they were making shafts or cutting threads on the shafts, I know they started, you know, rolling the threads instead of cutting them. And, you know, was it bad geometry? Was it just the C and J single shock not being in in the exact you know right geometry you know it was it was a yeah it, it was definitely a, an issue for quite some time and and I broke a few you know it was that that was right at the beginning of my pro career and and I definitely you know broke one or two shocks <laughs> yeah it's crazy getting back to the question we got uh, we got your least favorite guys who was the guy that you enjoyed <laughs> racing with Johnny Murphy like him and I were six months apart in age i think he's a little older but him and i were rookies together you know jr schnabel won rookie of the year johnny was the year ahead of me and jr because of his birthday he was an october birthday and i was april so so yeah right at six months but murph was a rookie the year before i was and then me and 
J.R. Schnabel were rookies together, and then J.R. ended up beating me for rookie of the year. And and that was a stacked year, man. You know, J.R. ran second at Knoxville behind Parker as a rookie, and I ran seventh. You know, we were both putting it in top ten as rookies, and then he he got the better of me. And, and still to this day, you know, Jake, you and I went out and got to ride with Murph and, and do the California tour last April and you know him and I always worked very well together you know we took each other out a couple times I I think one of the funniest stories and and my dad could back this up but we were in Lebanon Valley New York at Pro-Ams my Pro-Am year was crazy it was Tommy Hayden Johnny Murphy me J.R. Schnott like it was it was a stacked year and I was one of the only me and Tommy were the only two riders who went two races and then Murph won one, like a Jason Centel won some Ohio stuff. You know, there were some fast Ohio and Michigan guys. But, yeah, man, it, it was – I would definitely have to say Murph. Him and I just, you know, worked well together, and we were able to not usually take each other out, but it happened once or twice. And we didn't really take each other out at Lebanon Valley. Murph was leading, and I'm chasing him. We go – this is the main event. We already crashed each other once in a heat race. So, so this was in the main event, and neither one of us, you know, took – losing very well you know especially to each other so we were going after it and you both probably remember this but they had the big styrofoam you know not hay bales they were big styrofoam bales or blocks that they used for hay bales at lebanon valley and i think it's lebanon valley and i'm on his on his rear wheel you know making a move and i go into one set him up high getting ready to turn under and i see his right foot come off the right peg i'm like this isn't good and he sent the thing into the styrofoam hay bale, and I had nowhere to go, of course. So I followed him right in behind him, you know, wadded both road taxes up. We both are kind of out of sorts. I jumped up and grabbed his motorcycle. He jumped up and grabbed mine, and we were on each other's motorcycles going down to the inside of the track trying to get stuff running. And people are trying to tell us that we're on the wrong motorcycles, and <laughs> we didn't care. We just wanted to get back on and win. But, yeah, so, so yeah, by, by far, me and Murph always had – the most fun you know somebody i could trust somebody i knew wasn't going to do anything stupid and and uh somebody that would race me hard somebody that that wanted to win as much as i did and and we proved it (laughs) jake actually i'm actually curious who's your least favorite guy to race with Ooh, that's a good question oh man it's uh it changes because uh it's funny him and i have always gotten along pretty well but my my first couple years like rookie first couple years I, I would have to say that Brian Bigelow was on my list. You know, we never had any. Yeah, we never had anything major. Yeah, it was just one of them things, you know. And uh, and like I said, me and him, we get along great nowadays. Like, you know, he's I'm a tracker. I'm actually a Brian years. Bigelow number plate right now because my dad used to sponsor him. And like <laughs> yeah, the room yeah. I'm in, the only number plate in my in this room is a number eleven Brian Bigelow plate. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, you know, maybe I mean, Jake, I remember seeing while. you get into like Henry Wiles and Sammy Halbert and. You're like a bruiser out there, man. You've you've been uh you've been in some scuffles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And those were the next two I was I was going to. Um yeah. you know, probably Halbert and Wiles. Um you know, me and Wiles had that big run in at Springfield T T a few years back. I was leading and he smoked her in there and took both of us out and uh my mechanic Ronnie Brown tackled him off his bike and <laughs> Travis Smith was headed that way and got, you know, 
you know, so it, yeah, there was a big ordeal there, and it, it never really like it never really developed into anything. You know, it was like it wasn't like we went at each other every weekend, every chance we had. It was just some, uh, you know, some random situations here and there. And then uh, there was a year that Halbert ran into me, but just about every race, and it was uh, it was back in like 2010 or 11, back when we had the dash for caches that paid five points to win or something. So it was bigger than a main event, right? So the dashes were pretty, pretty important. And uh, there was like three or four races that year where I'd get the whole shot, go through turn one and two, three and four. Here comes Sammy up, up into the side of me and I'm off the track, you know? So we had some run-ins and I think I ended up taking him out and practice at Springfield short track or something. And it was kind of one of, one of those deals, but it was never anything crazy. No, no major words were said or anything like that. We just kind of knew what, what I was in for, but actually, I mean, both of those guys now, you know, I think we've all matured a bit and, and those guys really aren't even on my radar anymore. Yeah, Sammy's been of, innocent lately, man. Sammy's like, yeah, Sammy yeah. Now. yeah, he's, he's riding, you know, a lot smarter, a lot better, you know? So, right. I think Sammy turned pro one of my last few years. So I got to ride with him for two, maybe two seasons and I never got that side of him just because he was crashing more than he was running up front or mid pack, you know, I was a mid pack guy. So more than he was running mid pack, he was, uh, he was crashing usually. So, so I never really had too many knockdown drag out races with him. So that was one. That yeah. Never, never yeah. I mean, you're probably, thankful, probably a good thing then at that point in his Sammy's career, he, uh, there's a lot of photos of him flying through the air. So, but yeah, he's, he's a different guy now, man. I, he's definitely earned a lot of yeah. people's respect over the years and, and things like yeah, that. Absolutely. But, um, and he's ridden for me at, you know, him and I are, are basically, if you want to call it teammates, you know, Fredericktown Yamaha sponsored him for a few years and that's who sponsored me the last few years of my career. So, you know, me and Jethro always were the same age. So we raced together more. And then, you know, so that just led into me and Sammy being buddies. And, and then he was riding for Fredericktown and he rode for me a few times at Timonium Indoors. And, you know, I got to work with him on that front, which was always fun. So, so yeah, it's, yeah, I, no, I never, had, is cool never had that portion of it. What are your thoughts on like the AFT season this year, you know, with the, the new production class, the way kind of riders are transitioning to the AFT singles and, you know, the rumor is more top guys are going to AFT singles next year. And how did you think the season went? And, uh, you know, what was your favorite watch and things like that? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I'm not a big fan of people going back to the singles class. I think that that, and, and Jake and I have had this conversation. I think that that's almost the way that they make you go at, at some point or, or sometimes just because that's your only option sometimes or, or over the last couple of years, you know, everybody in the what top seven or eight of that class has been in the twins class and went backwards. So I don't like that. You know, I, I think that that class should be for the young guys and the up and comers. And I don't think that the Coses or the Bromleys or the people that have moved up to the twins class really should the be Texas. going back down, you know, <laughs> both of them. And, you know, it, it is what it is. And I think that that's the model that, you know, AFT's created to right. make that, you know, a money-making opportunity. And, and that's what we're all here for. You know, we're all professionals. We all are doing this for a living or, or were at some point. You guys still are. And, you know, that's, 
that's the the bed that they made. And because I don't agree with it, doesn't mean it's not right. It's at least an opportunity. But but I like to see the young guys, man. I I was in that class for four months. I won two races and moved. No, yeah. For I mean, I got some flack for it when I did it. And for me, I mean, I didn't want to go to a single. I wanted to race with the best dudes there was. But it was also a weird. It's been a weird transition with the Indians and how much they cost and running a team. Yeah. And when I first turned pro. You know, I, I rode amateur for one year, I rode pro sport for one year, and I moved right to a twin. So, like, my first go-around, you know, I, I was the same way. I was like, man, I want to race right. my twin. Like, I want to race Chris Carr. So, it's kind of exactly. crazy how it comes back full circle, and it's like, man, like, time for him to move up. It's like, dog, I've been done moved up. Like, <laughs> I had to move back down. So, I don't really agree with it either, and I was one of the guys who was kind of put in that position so it's, it's a weird deal that opportunity or you didn't get to go racing you know and i get that portion of it you know so it's something that that ama or aft has done i don't say to themselves but you know that's that's the program that they made and that's you know and and there's been i think some great results out of that you know people going back to that class and and having good results and then being able to put themselves in a good position for a good ride on, on a twin or something like that. So, so, you know, it's, it, I can see it on both sides and it's something that I wish we could leave as a feeder system, not as a, Oh, I don't have a super twin and I don't have a team and I can't afford this $25,000 to go racing this year. So let's go buy a 450 and right. take money from the kids. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you follow the sport because you still got some buddies, and I feel like you could probably take it or leave it at times. But uh, but what, what did you think of this season? Mies has been the favorite. Briar gets a factory ride, comes in, wins the championship. Was it exciting for you, like to to watch as as a fan now? Like you know, what was your take on 2019? It it was fun to watch, to be honest with you. I I think that the racing's good right now. I, I think the Indians are doing exactly what Harley Davidson did in the, you know, whatever, late seventies, early eighties. And it's a great motorcycle and it's competitive and, and it's unfortunate that everybody has to own one to run up front. So I think they've made some strides to change some of that. Obviously me's being the favorite, it was fun to watch Breyer come in being the underdog and, you know, kind of knock him off his pedestal a little bit and, you know, Jared's going to come back better next year, of course. And, and it's good racing this year, man. I, I love the Super TT at, where was it, Arizona? You know, I, I think a lot yeah. of the stuff that Michael Locke's doing is going in the right direction. At least it's getting flat track in the eyes of people that it wasn't in front of before. So, no, I think it's I think it's good. You know, I think it's good racing and the teams are good. You, you mentioned know, the talent easy. level, Paul, from, from the early, you know, the early 2000s and the late 90s. You know, it was a deeper field back then, but where do you put, like, guys like Meese and guys like Breyer as far as talent compared to the, the former, you know, champions like the the Cars and the Parker and the Ricky Rams? And, um, you know, I think it's a lot easier, you know, racing in both eras to um, make the main event now, but to win yeah. one of these things, I think you have, you know, two guys up front right now who are as strong as anybody I've ever seen. So what are your thoughts? I, I, no, I, I agree with you hundred percent, Corey. It's, you know, fast guys are fast guys. They're always going to be there. You know, it's still going to be hard to make a main event and run top five, top 10. You know, it's, you're always going to have fast guys. I don't care if you, you know, even when I was racing and we would go to Ohio, you know, there'd be 
three or four fast guys, like fast guys are fast guys, no matter what, be it Jared Meese, Briar Bauman, or Chris Carr, Scott Parker. It's in that era, in the time that we're doing it, what they do now and what they do today is, I mean, they're the best. They're the best in the world, and, and you can't take that away from them. And Jared Meese had a race, Scott Parker and Chris Carr and Jay Springsteen, you know, so, so Jared was, you know, roughly Jake's era, so that they weren't too far behind me. So, you know, there's been a changing of the guard to a sort, but, but man, fast guys are fast guys. And, and when you're champion and when you're running up front or running top three or top five, it's for a reason. So, so yeah, man, those, those guys today have the same talent, same ability, same grit that every Parker car Springsteen, everybody had back then, you know, it's, you can't take fast out of somebody. Yeah. I've never been a fan of, uh, of those. Well, not, not saying I'm not a fan of that type of question, but it's so hard to, to compare somebody from, from different eras, you know, especially, you know, obviously like when Jared was, was younger, I mean, he isn't the Jared he is today. Um, right. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the whole, who's, who's better, Michael Jordan or LeBron? Um, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. You, LeBron, you just, LeBron, LeBron, yeah. you just, you just can't do it. You know, like there's so many variables yeah. and, yeah, and so many different, different things, different, shoes, different balls. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a sense, like you said, I think, I think today is a, is maybe a different level, you know, just the way that guys train and everything now, it's not that they take it more serious but i got a question for you jake i got a question for you you got you got a team race at springfield mile and you got Mm -hmm. briar and jeremy in their prime uh actually let's do a half mile because uh it's hard to compare back in the miles they did a lot more miles let's do like let's do like williams grove you got you know in their primes jeremy and briar bauman and you got parker and Carr. you got a 50 lap race east rider does 25 laps who are you taking the win in their prime on xr 750s Parker. Uh, what? Yeah, cause, cause, uh, Briar can't ride an XR worth of shit. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'd, I'd have to go with the, I'd have to go with the Parker car combo. Yeah, and and just to add to that a little bit, that's a great question. But for some reason, you know, Scott Parker won that many races for a reason. Scott Parker won that many championships for a reason. There were days that he shouldn't have won that he did. Like there was something about that guy that he could dig deep, find something within himself or, you know, within that factory Harley Davidson or Bill Warner or somebody or somehow, and he would make it happen. So, yeah, exactly. And and I would take, I yeah. would take that mindset all day long. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that a little yeah. bit with Jared there too. I mean, there's days when you pull a whole shot. And, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, man. I mean, it's, it's tough to compare errors, but it's also fun to kind of be like, eh, you never know. So, um, you know, yeah. with all that being said, what do you, what do you think, you know, I want to wrap this up. I want to ask you your, uh, 2020 predictions and we got a little game we want to play, but yeah. What are you thinking? Um, who's going to win, you know, the respective classes next year. I mean, do you think Briars, you know, he, he was fighting through an injury this year. I, I keep giving Jared shit cause he likes to, you know, make fun of me for different shit. So I was like, dude, you got to worry about Briar with two good wrists now. I was like, yeah, now what, what are you thinking? I'm, I'm with you 100%. I think that Briar with two good wrists and, and uh, a little bit more experience under his belt, obviously that number one play gives you some confidence. You know, Jake, you know this very well. And when you, you know, put that thing on, obviously there's a target on your back, but you know, that's what we're all dreaming of. That's what we all are here for. And, and that's something that, that I think Briar is, 
well-equipped to deal with. And it's going to be fun to watch the next few years. But my 2020 predictions are Briar backed it up. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to beat momentum. And I think momentum's on his side. He's going to be healthy and, and going fast. Um, as for the singles class, God, I wish your sister would win that championship, Corey. You know, she deserves it more than anyone. And That'd be cool. Probably, probably works harder than anyone out there. And, and it's probably the most more miles, miles, less PTs. <laughs> Yeah, right, right, right. We we gotta work on that a little bit, but but yeah, for for that class, I mean, it you know that now it gets back to the question of how I feel about people moving back and how that class is, and it is what it is at this point. So you know, there's going to be somebody that's not 16 or 17 years old that wins that class, unfortunately. So so yeah, right. it's. Uh, It'll be it'll be fun to watch, and that class is always competitive. And you know, my biggest fear of that class is people getting hurt because I think people make bad decisions somewhere around mid pack and back. And hopefully that uh, hopefully they can work through that and stay healthy and stay clean and and give us some good racing. But, but yeah, the twins yeah. class, I think Briar will back it up honestly. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be tough. You know, me and Briar have become pretty close over the last couple of years, and being in that that situation, it's uh, it's a lot of pressure, and it makes you miserable and you hate it. But in the same sense, it keeps you focused and motivated to keep it and do it again. The pressure and the stress, you hate it. It's but good pressure, though. <laughs> yeah, it helps you. It helps you keep going. Um, I miss it actually. Uh, Even for for my deal this year, I was all stressed out, texting all my buddies, and and uh, I was like, I can't wait till this shit's over. And then I like, give me the pressure, man. It's like what you live yeah. for. It's it's um, you know, I was talking to um Scott Taylor. He's actually Shane's manager, and uh, he used to manage uh, Ricky Carmichael. And he said the thing Ricky misses most about racing was the the situations like points battles and pressure and things like that. It was like. I didn't get it at first, and now it's like, man, like I get it, you know. It's, yeah, so it's pretty crazy. But yeah. no, we wanted to um, do a quick. Uh, we, it's like a, a we're gonna do a game. Uh, it's called this or that. We want to kind of shout out two different things, and you kind of pick which one you would take or which one you like better, and uh, <laughs> like a you know a couple of sentence explanation with it. I'm gonna have Jake ask the questions. Cool. All right. So uh, I think I can predict most of your answers on this thing, which isn't really fair. But, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. But we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it anyway. So uh, first one, clay track or cushion track? Clay. Sticky clay. Yep. <laughs> you, you can have you can have those pea Like, give me a cushion or a groove. I'm good. But when it's just that slippery, marbly, no traction anywhere where rotor just passes you on the locks like three times a race, no, you can have it. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, short track or mile? Ooh, short track for sure, man. I'm I'm six to 180 pounds. I I love I love me at the coin mile where you don't have to put your feet down or shut off for 15 or 20 laps. But that's me running somewhere mid pack or back. So so I, I can yeah, run you're always a little uh, you're always a little aerodynamically disabled, huh? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. or whatever you are. <laughs> yeah, I, I was pushing I was pushing a little more wind than most. So. <laughs> XR750 or RF750? Ooh, wow. Um, that's a great question. I would honestly say an RF. Um, if it was 1987, definitely an RF. I think that AMA probably slowed those things down for a reason, you know, so, so that's a whole nother, whole nother topic. But, but yeah, that yeah. RS 750 in its prime when Ricky Graham and Bubba Schobert were, were riding that thing and winning, I would take that thing all day long. Like that, like it, it just talking about it makes my mouth water. And the only one I ever rode was when Kenny Coolbeth first turned pro and he lived on Brick School Road in Connecticut. And 
I forget where he bought his RS, but I got to ride it up and down the street, you know, at whatever, 13 years old or something. And that's literally the only RS 750 I've ever ridden. I've never ridden one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've never got to ride one either. That was always my, my dream bike as a kid. But yeah, yeah let's get two RS 750s yeah. and ride Super Twins next year. There you go. Yeah. You what's go. uh? I need to call up the M three R factory. Yep. See, see what they're doing. There yep. you go. Take the free agent. Give him a call. All right. So next one, uh, I guess, kind of more towards the the 450 motorbike side, uh, Honda or Yamaha. Um, Honda, as they turn. Don't don't tell first time I said that, Corey. Yeah, I know you own a Yamaha. <laughs> don't tell, don't don't let Mr. Richard hear this. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. Now we got some uh, some rider questions. Parker or Carr? Parker. Yeah, definitely Parker. I we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I could get into it a bit. I think that I got that because of Rodney. Rodney was not a huge fan of Chris. I think Chris's girlfriend was a huge fan of Rodney's. And oh. I just never heard <laughs> I just never heard too much good on that front whenever I was, you know, at that age and, and that stuff was resonating with me and and you know, Parker was just a stand up guy, man. He was fun to be around and he was honest and he raced you clean and you know, it was It's very it, rare you have somebody that likes them both. I mean, they were it's like, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, you like one or the other. I mean um yeah. for me i like yeah. them both but man it's hard to find yeah. somebody that likes them both yeah yeah i don't doubt that so uh all right we're gonna go outside the flat track world a little bit here uh rossi or marquez oh man don't that's kind of that's kind that. of an easy question that's an easy question yeah Mar- marquez is I, I was a fan i mean you can't you cannot be a fan because of his talent you know no. that kid can do yeah. on a motorcycle that that are unbelievable but what he did to Rossi when he was racing Lorenzo for the championship, as Colin Edwards put it, he broke an unwritten rule. And, and I, it was easy to see for anybody that's ever raced motorcycles. It was a very blatant cock block, if you will. But <laughs> ever since then, I just, I'm not a fan. I, and I was, yeah. I was a huge fan. He, you know, he was breaking records and fun to watch and, and he yeah. likes flat track, so it was like yeah. So yeah, not not a fan anymore. Yeah, it's kind of like me. You got to respect him, but eh, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, who we got next? Uh, McGrath or Carmichael? Ooh, McGrath for sure. Carmichael ruined it for everybody. He made everybody. <laughs> um, yeah. McGrath was you know my era. He was a little bit older than I. And those guys all, you know, as as you've probably watched on any video that you see, that when they got done racing Saturday night, they all went to have a two on Sunday and drank Coors Lights and had a good time. And seven of the top ten were there. And as long as they were all together, it was no big deal. And they went racing, you know, the next week. And then Carmichael just came in and changed the game. And yeah. Give me Bubba. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm with you there. All right. Here's here's an easy one. PBR or Budweiser. Oh, but but heavies all day. Yeah, I know you're but heavy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm third generation. Like I don't get me wrong, I'll, I'll take a pass. But the Budweiser is three generations at least into my genes, and yeah, <laughs> it's I'm it's, born it's thick Budweiser. in the in the Lynch veins. <laughs> yep, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And uh, this one, well, this one could be a toss up for you. I had something else written down, but I'm going to change it up since I know your your recent uh, recent 
It's recent habits or likes. Whiskey or Jaeger? Ooh, man, I still got to pick whiskey. I drink Jaeger on a regular basis just because it's a little easier. You know, there's a little <laughs> less alcohol and get a little scientific <laughs> on you guys, but but that's like my maintenance routine. But uh, if I'm if I'm getting down, I'll, I'll take a good whiskey, you know, a good bourbon or, or a good, you know, blend of some sort. So, yeah, I'll stick with whiskey. Yeah, Perfect. crown. Crown for me, for sure. I think Jaeger hurts, man. That stuff is – I'll never forget Jaeger because one year at New Year's, we had a party, and I think you both were there, actually. And I Yeah, I think you were there, A good Paul. friend of ours. Yep. Yep, he was, yeah. I think. And a good friend of ours, uh, Chris Kleinfeller, he uh, – he was drinking Jaeger all night, and he just, just decided to puke it all up on my carpet. Um, so that kind of ruined that kind of ruined Jaeger for me. Yeah, and th- and that was like some bright white good carpet. Oh, uh, it was my, my dad. Very he barely like he didn't get mad about much for other people. Like everything I did pissed him off, but as far as other people, it took a lot to make him mad. And he was pretty bummed it. about the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And, and that stuff, it, believe me, I, I've seen it come up before. And, yeah, you're not getting that thing out. It kind of – we kind of <laughs> covered it up with, oh, you know what? So I just put hardwood floor in my house like last week. And underneath the carpet, there was a huge stain. And we didn't know what the hell it was. That's exactly what it was. Yep. Guaranteed. <laughs> wow. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, and stomach. Fluids. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to actually air this show next week. We're, we're pre-recording it, but um, I guess I'll see you all this weekend at the indoors. I heard you're uh, coming to the indoors. Or you got a rider on your steed, so I'll, I guess I'll see you yeah. this weekend. Yeah, I, I hired a, I got a hired gun to try and come in and knock you off the throne. Obviously, that Yamaha doesn't <laughs> turn like the Hondas, but I think that if Don Don can get out front, then he can stay out front. You know that, so... So yeah, we're he's for you. pretty tough. Yeah, he's tough in there. So it'll be uh, it'll be good, man. I'm excited. I'm excited to see you. I haven't seen you in a while, and uh, yep. just thanks awesome. for coming on the show, dude. No problem, man. I I really appreciate you guys having me. It's uh it's been a blast. And if there's anything I can do to help, please let me know. I love what you're doing. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, there's a lot of funny stories we we didn't get to touch on. We'll have to we we'll have to have you back for uh, Paul Lynch 2.0. Yeah, there, yeah, there's plenty of content for sure. One of the things that, that I want to touch on is just what to do after racing. You know, obviously it's fun and, and we had a great career, but, but I was fortunate enough to get some opportunities after racing motorcycles. And, and I'd love to talk about that and educate some of the younger folk on the life after the good life or however you want to put it. I mean, there still is a life after racing. So I, I Amen. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, I know, uh, I know Paul Lynch at his lowest times. I think your only form of transportation at one time was a Yamaha Virago. You know, now that, that is one hundred percent correct. That is not. A <laughs> yeah, and that was a step up from the Exploder too. So, uh, yep. Yep. but yeah, that that's yep. definitely uh, yeah. I, I like that idea. We'll 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 definitely get into that more. But it, it's definitely cool to to see you doing well. And like I said, you were a uh, you know, sleep in the van, sleep under the van, do whatever you could to get to the track. Nothing, nothing to your name. And now, you know, 10 plus years after it, you know, great job, nice house, great family, two little girls. So there is a, there, there, yeah, there is a, a that's, and that's all I want to do is educate some on that. Cause it was tough. As you mentioned, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's not an easy transition. There was a lot of whiskey and Budweiser and Jägermeister consumed throughout the process. And, <laughs> 
yeah, it's a process. We'll leave it at that. Like I said, we'll have to uh, we'll have to have you back again and uh, get some other good stories, get that insight, and uh, get to know Paul a little bit more now. Yeah, no, man, I, I love it. Like I said, I love what you guys are doing, and and more power to you. So keep doing it. Thanks, and Lynch. You know how I can appreciate help. you, man. So and uh, don't let Don Don take any shit from it from on this weekend. <laughs> That's right. Run and hide, man. All right. Well, thanks again, awesome. Paul. I'll see you this weekend, buddy. Appreciate the call, guys. Have a great day. All right. You too. All right, guys. Paul Lynch, the legend. Just uh, we were thinking it was gonna be a pilot episode, but that's definitely episode one quality, Jake. What do you think? Yeah, I think it was good. Honestly, um, obviously, me knowing Paul and being a friend, there was a lot of, like I said, a lot of other stories that I think need to be told. So we're definitely gonna have to have them back. Yeah, yeah. there's so much shit you can talk about. I mean, it's like we were talking when we were doing podcasts. There's a whiskey throttle podcast, and Jake's a big fan of it, and I really enjoy it too. From the little bit I've listened, and. Uh, their podcasts are four hours long, and I I think with guys like Paul, we could talk all day. So it's yeah, it's it's just good insight, man. It's good to uh, get some honest opinions. You you know you don't really hear things like that. Like you know he didn't like the race big low. He didn't you know he's providing insight on life after racing and shit like that is cool because you don't hear that from flat track racers. To be honest, a lot of flat track racers aren't big social media guys. Jake, you're one of them. So. To have a podcast like this and let guys just talk about things that a lot of fans don't see, it's just, uh, I think it's great. I'm, I'm really stoked on it. Yeah, like you said, me and social media, I mean, you don't get the whole story. Every Everything is unicorns and rainbows on, on social media, you know, or, or it's the complete opposite end of the spectrum. The worst news or the best news, you know, you don't get the, the real stuff in between. So I, I like talking about stuff. I don't like posting stuff. Maybe Jake Johnson's a little deeper than uh, than people think. Uh, you know, I like to get the get the whole story out. But but yeah, so you know that was that was good to talk to Paul and uh, you know like I said get his insight and you know that's gonna be a hard one to top honestly. You know we're gonna have to get to work on on our guest list. Yeah, we got some good ones on <laughs> on tap. And for our next segment on the non named podcast, we are gonna talk to a guy that I've become friends with. He's been around the flat track scene now all year. It seems like. And he's a pro motocross racer, but we're going to bring him in. We're slowly starting to transition him into the flat track world. And it's none other than Noah Chambers. Noah, how the hell have you gotten involved with all these flat track uh, guys that you have been hanging out with lately? Well, first off, Brandon Robinson from, you know, same town, hometown. Started, uh, started cycling with him, I think, when I was, like, 14 or 15. He uh, He'd go on road bike rides with me and then uh last winter he's like hey man uh we're down here in florida come on down so went down and i think i stayed like what like a month and a half and that's where i met you and pretty much everyone for the most part <laughs> oh yeah it was long it was long <laughs> I'm, i was just leaping in the camper showering in your house it was uh <laughs> i had quite the time that's for sure yeah, lots of. Uh, I mean, we'd lose we'd lose you for a while, and you'd you'd head out to Razzles and uh, live living the dream. Yeah, dude, I was on a pretty strict program. You know, I'd ride Monday through Friday. Friday night, I'd hit it hard, go out on the town. Whoever was feeling whoever was feeling frisky, they'd head out with me, and then uh, take Saturday off. I don't know if I'd ride again Sunday. I'd, I'd switch it up, but it was like five days of riding, one day of partying, and then we'd be back at it. Yeah, I kind of. Uh... I guess I, I kind of knew Noah before I knew Noah. I uh, would always oh, chase yeah, him around right. at, the, at the local moto tracks. I got some I got some GoPro 
footage that uh, I, I had to share with, with some of the guys afterwards. And uh, Noah was always kind of on my radar. You know, I knew he was one of the fast guys at the, at the practice track during the week. So, you know, every time uh, every time he would be out, I'd try to jump in behind him and try to make something happen. I could usually hang for like a lap, lap and a half, almost crash or crash, and and then have to have to give up. But uh, dude's fast on a on a motorbike, king of the farm, and. <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, he's he's a factory CTR flat track rider. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I haven't personally got to see him race a flat track race yet, but I think what, what was your first race? Was was it Frederick Half Mile? Well, that was my oh, first, boy. like, traditional oval track. But before that, I uh, I raced Piston Poppers. And I was like, oh, you know, Piston Poppers, I, TT, right up my alley. I loved it. And I'm like... You know, a half mile. How hard could it be? So they bought me there, got me all suited up, and I looked like a two by four on a motorcycle going around that track. I was yeah, puckered up. It seemed like nervous. a good idea until we rolled up to the track that day, and I'm like, if anyone knows Frederick, it's one of the sketchiest tracks we raced on all year. I love it, but it's super narrow. The one uphill, one straightaways downhill. And we're rolling into the track, and I'm looking at this track. I'm looking at Noah in my passenger seat of my van. I'm like, hmm, maybe this wasn't a good idea. <laughs> and we get out there, and I'm like, I'm like a worried father. I'm like, all right, bro, the only thing you need to do is not go in the fence today. And um, it was kind of funny because the one race, he pulled like a massive hole shot, and I'm, I'm sitting there waiting for him to come around. And I'm like, shit, like, where's Noah? Did he fall? Everyone comes blowing by. Zoom, zoom. Here comes Noah pulling up the rear. I'm like, all right, cool. Like he's still on the bike. <laughs> but it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, pretty interesting. But, but with that being said, Noah, what we're working toward, we're working toward a goal. Let's talk about your latest flat track race, and then what we got in the works coming up for the next few months. Yeah, I uh, well, I think I what I raced piston poppers twice. Those times they were good, and then uh, Frederick, you know, that was a little rough. But then I've done the pass through Timonium indoors, and they actually went pretty good. The first one I got, I think second in, I don't know what class exactly. I got second in one class, and then the other one I think I got last. I like crashed or something. But then this this past weekend was good. I, I won the one class, and then in like the 450A B or whatever, I got I got second, and I got the whole shot. And it was it was just it was a good weekend. It felt good to actually like know that well maybe i can do halfway decent on a little short track or whatever not just a tt i don't know every time i ride you know any any kind of flat track for me at least it's just getting tea time i feel better more comfortable because um, it's completely different than, than motocross you know a lot of people think oh a lot of motocross riders i'm not scared to say it i was i was one too i was like oh how you know how hard how different can it be but it's just a circle you know oh it's exactly it's and it's, I'm not even going to lie. I was, I thought the same thing. I'm like, well, it's just a circle, but no, it's completely different. You know, you don't use any of the same skills that you do on a motocross bike that you do on a oval track. I mean, you know, there's certain things, but not nearly as much as someone would think, you know, but, um, what next is Corey's race, the winter throwdown. What's that? January 11th, January 11th. Yep. And then what's yeah, the January big one 11th, we're shooting so, for? Uh, Daytona, that's the plan. We're shooting for it. I mean, I think we're on, we're on course, you know, we got, uh, slowly little things happening and, uh, getting closer and closer, but, um, that's the goal Daytona. You know what I mean? I'm going to, 
I'm racing regardless if I think I'm ready or not. I'm I'm racing. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think I think we'll be ready though. I got some pretty good friends helping me out and some guys that know a thing or two about how to go fast. On I, I like. I like that attitude. I'm I'm going whether you I'm know. ready or not. <laughs> I'm going whether I'm ready or not. You know what I mean? What else? Yeah. It's all we're, we're hyping it up. We're racing, baby. We're racing. Yeah. What? Uh, I mean, Daytona. That's going to be a whole new thing. I mean, I mean, you've ridden a TT. You've ridden a half mile. Ridden some indoor concrete. But Daytona, I hear this year is going to have even more asphalt. So it's basically going to be an eighth gear straightaway, front straightaway, you know, to a little bit of dirt jump on the infield. So that's going to be something totally, totally new. It's going to be new for a lot of guys. So do you have any expectations or, I mean, obviously everybody has a goal, but can you even say where you think you're going to stand or you're just going to, man, just going to send it and, and see where we end up? That's tough, honestly. To, I mean, to say, I, I, I'll be honest. Isn't there a bet on the line right now, Lowe? Yeah. So Corey said, "Well, no. if you make a main, oh, I didn't know I'll give this. you a thousand bucks." He said, "If you make a main, I'll give you a thousand bucks." And I said, "Deal." So um, I got a thousand dollars at about, least. Damn, that's about on the line. So, class, so yeah, so exactly. So, yeah, even if, even <laughs> if I just throw it in there, I'm walking out there with a thousand bucks, dude. It's gonna be a long night if that happens. But no, I don't know. I don't yeah. really have any. I I shouldn't say I have any um, serious like goals. I'm not going out there and be like, oh, I need to get top five. Like, I'm gonna go there as long as I provide to my um, best ability. Then I, then I'll be I'll be pretty happy. You know what I mean? If I leave there and I'm like, well, that was everything I had, then then I'll be pretty happy. But if I leave there and I'm like, man, like I rode like crap, then I'll be upset with yeah, myself. Yeah. I'm well, sure it's gonna be. A- a bit of a building thing, huh? I mean, I guess obviously see how Daytona goes, but try to do maybe a few more TTs after that. So yeah, yeah, kinda, oh, absolutely. To kind of race race your way in the in the flat track shape, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. You know? I mean, got to get out there, got to make it happen. So I mean, I'm and I'm pumped up for it. I, I don't think I've been more excited about a race. In a long I don't know, time. man. I, I think you're, you'll probably get tired. So we got to try and get in the shape because you're you don't really have much of a fitness base. You're uh, kind of a um, loose cannon. Yeah. Yeah, fitness, you're so. just you're just upset because you saw you saw what I'm capable of on that 580. I got you all nervous now. Oh boy, Noah talks a lot of shit. For <laughs> got you these, guys that got uh, these cannons. I got these cannons as legs, <laughs> something like that. The little these guys don't lie. Yeah, well, we'll see, man. I'm I'm excited for you. It'll be good. You uh, we tried to prank call Jared Meese for a segment, but Jared was kind of boring. This is Jared Meese. Yes, it is. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. So, uh, I don't even Yeah, how about that, that, dude? He didn't really have too much to say. He was pretty boring on the phone. You seem pretty even-tempered. I hope you get a little more excited when you're on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I get loved up. Don't worry. Yeah, well, didn't you ask for Briar's email then? I did ask for Briar's email. And he was, he was, <laughs> he was nice about that. You know, since, since he won the championship, uh, he may be more what we're looking for, uh, unfortunately. Okay. Not that you can't win, but you just mentioned, you know, crashing and stuff like that. So. Okay. Well, do you still, in the meantime, want me to send you this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Hey, do you have um, one more thing? Do you know Breyer's email off the top of your head? Like, you know, do you have it right there? If not, it's not a big deal. I can look it up for you. He's like, just keep me. I was like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. He was really about to look it up and, and give me it. <laughs> Idiot. I was like, wow, dude. I mean, Noah, too, you're uh, still playing on, I mean, hitting some MX Nationals this year, too. You're going to you're gonna try to, oh, yeah. uh, you know, you, you're going after Sipes or what, I mean, with what's going on? 
You trying to be the, the new uh, the new general or what? I don't know. You know, it's funny. Like, <laughs> keep saying that to me. They're like, "What are you doing? You're going like the Sykes program?" And I'm like, "Ah, I just like, man, I just like any type of motorcycle racing. Sign me up. It's cool. You know what I mean? I don't care what it is. Like, I even had some friends. I'm friends with um some GNCC races, and they're like, "Man, you should come do a GNCC." I'm like, "Well, maybe I will. I'll do one of those as well." But I don't know. Like any type of, I got as far as flat track goes, I got a pretty you know good group in my corner, so I have no reason not to do it. You know what I mean? It'd be different if I didn't know anybody and I was coming in there cold turkey and I knew nothing about setting up a bike. But, I mean, you know, I know the best guys in the business. So it's uh, that makes a huge difference right there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to get every week, every po- every podcast, I want to get – I mean, you don't know that much about flat track, but I want your opinion anyway just because it's funny to hear what an outsider has to say. So before I let you go and we uh, wrap this wrap this up, you know, the, the, the latest news that we've heard, it was the Factory Harley announcement. Brian Smith, Dalton Gauthier, Jared Vanderkoy. What are your thoughts on, on that on those, on those three riding for Harley and uh, Sammy Halbert moving on? You probably don't even know half these guys, but what do you think about it? Well, Vanderkoy, of course, that's my boy. He knows that. The rest of them, dude, I don't really, I don't I don't know him at all. But I mean, uh, I think Gautier definitely deserves a ride. I mean, he just won a championship. That's pretty cool to see him uh, him get that. I think he worked really hard to win that. And um, I mean, Smith, he's kind of a legend. Who doesn't know who that is? But um, Sammy, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure he'll get something good worked out. And he's he's a badass rider. So opportunities come and go. You know. One door closes. You're a Harley fan, though, right? Oh, am I a Harley fan? Dude, oh, my God, of course. I'm Harley through and through. Screaming Eagle, baby. (laughs) 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 You know? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who doesn't love the old Screaming Eagle, man? These these (laughs) these colors don't run. Yeah, you you know it, dude. I I got the American flag on my motorcycle, so we're uh, through and through. Someone's got him on it, dude. Just want to get some insight on that. Yep. And uh, we'll check in with you every every uh, week and get some thoughts. Chambers chimes in and follow your journey as you uh, attack the flat track circuit in, uh, in a goal to make the main at Daytona. Oh, yeah, dude. It's This is just the beginning. Big G-bar on the line. Uh, all right, guys. Well, first segment, pilot episode, episode one of our No Name podcast. So we don't have a name for this podcast yet. We're working through some things. If you guys out there have an idea for a name, I want to get the fans involved a little bit. Any name recommendations you have, we'll we'll get it going, and hopefully for episode two, we will have a name. Jake, what are you, what are your thoughts on a, a good name? Oh, well, I guess if I knew one, we'd have one right now, right? But yeah, I mean, we got a list, but yeah, I guess it's our first podcast. Nobody even really knows we're doing it, so I can't say let's get the fans. Involved. No one even knows you're my co-host at the time of recording. I know, I know. I guess once we get some fans. Uh, maybe maybe they can help out a little bit, and Mr. Social Media Corey can get get some questions that uh, you know, because what we're going to talk about we what we want to talk about obviously, but there might be something yep. people out there want to want to know or hear, and uh, maybe get some we want to ask some the fans, that we want to get you guys involved, we want to get you know Twitter questions, we want to yeah just really interact with the fans, let you guys be heard a little bit and, and ask, ask me and Jake questions. You know, I don't really try, I try not to get involved with um, social media questions too much because it's just a shit storm. And I'd rather just, you know, take, take calls and, and uh, questions for the podcast. So ask us, uh, ask us anything. And we'll, um, you know, we're not going to, I'm not going to give you my, my like credit card statements or anything, but anything to do with flat track that 
seems reasonable, we'll give you we'll give you the answer. So I'm pumped on this. I'm pumped that Jake agreed to do this with me, and uh, really stoked Carter is helping produce it because he's a man. Um, I don't think a lot of people give Chris Carter enough credit. Um, I don't want to pump him up too much, but. The guy's great, and he does a lot of cool stuff for the sport. And we're gonna pump this up and make it a cool thing. But um, if we suck, tell us we suck. We, you know, it's uh, it's fine, you know. But I'm excited, and thanks, Jake, for doing this with me. Yeah, thanks. Like I said, I think we kind of elaborated how it started the other day. We just we ended up going to dinner or something, and I said, "Hey, I want to start a podcast." And you know, a few days later, we're recording one. So it, it all came together boom. pretty quick. So, so yeah. boom. Like I said, uh, if we suck, let us know, and we'll try to get better. We're going to make this thing good. All right, guys. Wrapping this one up. We'll uh, get ready for episode two. Thanks for uh, being part of it. See ya. Bye. Bye.